Good evening. Welcome to uh, New Hope Hilo Church's midweek service. My name is Jonathan. Uh, now is the time of service we get to continue to express our love and devotion to Christ in the forms of tithes and offerings. So if the ushers would please prepare. Um, yeah, uh, this week my son was bugging me to get a haircut. So finally today I, I cut my hair. Um, you guys should go check him out, the guy who cut my hair. His name is Sam, and he's fantastic. <laughs> okay, anyway, anyways, um, last week, Saturday night, I went to my daughter's uh, a parade, the Hilo Christmas Light Parade. She was on a float for her hula halau, and, you know, I got there, set up my UH, UH uh, umbrella seat. I found a nice spot on Kiavi and Kalakawa cover, and I, I just sat down there. I got there real early. It was like an hour half early. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm getting older. Us older guys gotta get there early. Yeah, yeah. You guys know what I'm talking about, some of you. But when I was there, about 10 minutes into the parade, uh, this float came by, and you know how get the kid people in the back of the float and they pass out candies. Uh, to kids and stuff anyway this guy comes up to me nice gentleman and he says you look alone in the dark uh, this is for you and if you can turn down the, the light so you can see it he gave me one of these it, it's a light it's a light and after that I sat down and I thought of the words that he said you are alone and in the dark alone and in the dark and he gave me a light it kind of immediately brought me back in my mind to a few years ago when I was alone in darkness and I was stumbling in darkness. In fact, I used to live right across the street over here and at night, like on a Wednesday night, I could see the ambient light from this church from my house. And on Wednesday nights, I could hear you guys praise and worship, you know, all at my house or on a Friday night, I could hear the, the sound of children laughing at a youth event and I was alone I was in the dark but I was attracted to the light in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1 it says this the year King Uzziah died I saw the Lord seated on the throne high and exalted and the train of his robe filled the temple with glory and in verse 3 it says and the seraphim said holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty the whole earth is filled with his glory and you know was my, I love that scripture I love that song but I never got it because I understand 6 1 where it says heavens is filled with his glory but 6 3 where the earth is filled with his glory I was in darkness this world around me a lot of suffering a lot of pain indifference injustices I just couldn't see it but then when I came back to Christ and he ignited something in me that light again then I realized I realized this and this is so cool how God's glory is spread around all the earth is through each and every one of you with the light that God has placed within you you guys all have this light in you and that's you ever saw that picture from space from NASA at nighttime where that photograph of, of the earth at night and you see all these lights around cities all over the world that's how God's glory is around the whole world so anyway tonight as uh, you know as we start this evening um, I just want to encourage you guys that as you guys love God love people as you guys continue to give uh, with such a gracious and cheerful heart, God will partner with you to spark up lights all over the world. And that is so cool. So you guys keep on doing what you guys are doing. Let's bow our heads. Father God, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with your glory. Father God, please take this offering, Lord God, transform it, use it to spark lights all over the world, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Father God, right now, as we prepare our hearts for the message, we pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, that, that you would just give us a receptive heart, that you would prime our hearts to receive what you're going to pour in tonight. Bless Pastor Sheldon as he speaks. Use him as your mouthpiece and conduit, Lord God, to deliver the word. We love you. We praise you. 
matchless, priceless, and awesome name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you for shining your light, buddy. But we are in our Christmas season, so I thought tonight we can learn a couple lessons from the mother of Jesus, and her name is? Mary. Mary. Well, Mary, as we know, is found in the Bible, and she's found in the New Testament. I'm going to be reading out of the book of Luke, Luke chapter 1, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. But while you're doing that, I wanted to give us a quick top 10 lessons we learn during the Christmas season. So I'm going to go from 10 to 1. Top 10 lessons we learn during the Christmas season. So you got to pay attention to this. Number 10. If you re-gift a gift, make sure the person who gave you the gift is not there when you open the gift. Number 9. Whatever your husband gives you is the perfect gift. You got to remember that, whatever your husband gives you. Number eight, lessons we learned during the Christmas season, let your wife shop for her own gift. <laughs> Unless you're the kind of woman who wants her husband to do his homework well of what you want. Number seven, these are for the dads. When your children open their gifts and they tell you thank you, act like you knew what it was. Number six, the sweater that your auntie bought you is not an ugly sweater prank. It is for real. Number five, try to smile when you open the card with no money in it. <laughs> That's like my children. They open the card like that. Number four, when you take your toddler shopping, women, do not forget your rebags, your purse, and lots and lots of snacks. Number three, women, when you take your husband shopping, do not forget your rebags, your purse, and lots and lots of snacks. <laughs> Amen, men? Amen. Number two, household appliances do not count as gifts to your wife. That's considered normal items to purchase for the home. Unless your wife is a chef, baker, or candlestick maker and the number one lesson we learned during Christmas season is never pause when you open a gift from your mother-in-law and that is your top 10 list of what we learned during Christmas season <laughs> Woo! so I figure we have a top 10 thank you Grayson can we give Grayson a hand thank you so much practice all day for that but just think about during this the season during Christmas there are many things that we learn many things that we apply many things we learn even in church about Christmas like we know the Christmas story we know that Jesus came and God gave us his one and only son but what do we learn prior to Jesus coming to this earth see the mother of Mar the mother of Jesus who is Mary she was a teenager who was given an assignment that was like no other assignment. It was an assignment that not everyone was given. Like when you got to feed sheep, when you have to build a home, when you have to do certain things, like everyone can do that. But the task that was given to her was specifically given only to her throughout history. There was only one person that was chosen to bring in the Son of God to this earth. And that was Mary's responsibility. So she couldn't ask someone for advice. She couldn't go to someone and say, hey, well, what is it like to give birth to the Son of God? What is that responsibility like? I mean, do I have to be afraid of certain things? What do I have to be aware of? She had no one to really turn to for her specific situation. But she did have a relative called Elizabeth, whom she confided in. So what I want to do tonight is, is look at 10 lessons we can learn from Mary in Luke chapter 1. Now we got to remember that Christmas is so that we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior. And when Mary was visited by this angel that we're going to read about to tell her about the birth of Jesus, she hurried to her cousin Elizabeth to tell her what had happened. And of course Elizabeth, she confirms everything that was spoken. And then Mary sings a song and she sings with such joy 
And we can learn some things from this song. So in Luke chapter 1, I'm going to read from verse 26. And it reads this. In the, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Well, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, this is not any ordinary, hey, you're going you're gonna to have a son. He might play football. He might play basketball. He might be a musician, a dancer. This is, oh, you're going to give birth to a son. He's going to be the king of all kings. He's going to rule the universe. In fact, this is God's son. So we can read it in context because we know what took place, but Mary is receiving this for the very first time, and it's very shocking. So Mary says, well, how will this be? In verse 34, since I am a virgin, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. But Elizabeth, even Elizabeth, your relative is going to have a child in her old age and, sh and she who was said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month is going to give birth for no word from God will ever fail. In other words, God was saying to Mary, Mary, if you have any doubts, just go check out what God, what God is already doing with your cousin. Because your cousin Elizabeth, as you know, is not able to have a child. So if you need some encouragement, just go check out what's happening with Elizabeth. Because everyone knows that she was barren. She wasn't able to have children, but God provided a miracle. That right there, for you, Mary, is just a little encouragement from God. Mary responds in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Now, Elizabeth was pregnant, and she was pregnant with John the Baptist. So John the Baptist and Jesus are cousins. So Mary sings a song, and Mary said, in verse 46, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but... He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And then Mary stayed with Elizabeth for three months and then returned home. So we want to look at these 10 lessons, these valuable lessons that we can learn from Mary, that we can apply into our very own lives Either if you're a man or a woman, uh, child, young or old, doesn't matter, by catching the heart behind Mary's song. There are, there are things that we can catch and things that we can learn. So we're going to look at 10 of them. And here's the first thing. And if you want to write notes or if you're using our app, write in the word worship because that's what Mary did. Mary worshiped God with all of this information that was given to her, with, with the fears that she had and even the unknown, she still worshiped God. Now, I don't know about you, but if God gives me an assignment that is too big for me, I go, into, I go into strategy planning mode. I go into I go into calendar mode. I go into systematic mode. 
And I say, okay, Lord, if we're going to be doing this, if, if you're asking me to do this, I need to plan this out. And I go into planning mode. But it's, it's like Mary said, okay, this is a, this is a major task. Lord, I, I exalt you. I, I, I look to you. In Romans 12, 1, it says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. See, worship, worship is a lifestyle. It's, it's more than singing songs. It, it, it has songs included in it, but it's not exclusive to songs. Worship includes prayer, but it's not just exclusive to prayer. It's also everything about our life. It's our lifestyle. Everything that comes out of our life is our worship to God. Therefore, we need to be careful on how we're living our life because we become what we worship. If you worship your car, you become, you become the slave to your car. You're polishing your car every day, every single day. And if a child touches it, you're like, ah! You rewash your whole car, vacuum your whole car. Sand gets into your car. You're like vacuuming behind everyone in the car. It's like, hey, yeah, yeah, nobody move. And it's because you so value the possession. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with vacuuming your car, or cleaning your car, but we become what we worship. But if we're seeking God first and we worship him, then we become more like him. Then when we got to clean our car, clean our home, whatever we need to do, it's not an act of worship to the home. It's now an act of worship to God because we're thankful for what he gave to us. There's a difference because we're putting God first. And that's what Mary did. She sang this song to God. In verse 46 and 47, Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. She was worshiping him with her life. You know, when I learned that I was going to be a teenage father, because Heidi and I, was, I was 15, she was 16, the, first, the last thing on my mind was worshiping God. I didn't even know God. In fact, the only thing I knew about God was that he's going to punish me now. Because I'm a, now I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a father, Heidi and I aren't married, and now he's going to strike me down. So I feared God. But then when I came to know God, when I began going, church, uh, going to church at around age 19, then I got to know God. Then I began to understand what worship was all about. Now I could worship God even in all of my dark seasons or the difficult times that I was going through. When I don't know God and when we don't know God, it's hard to worship who we don't know. So if you're having a hard time worshiping God because you're going through something difficult or maybe some past sin or, or, or some type of thing that you did and you, you feel guilty with God and you're having a hard time worshiping him, it's probably because you don't know God. God doesn't accept our worship when we're perfect. He accepts our worship, period. It's our whole life to him. Sometimes we say, I got to get my act together, then I'll come to God, then I'll worship him. Or we come to church and we sing songs and we say, I don't feel like worshiping God because I'm doing bad stuff. You know the best time to worship God is not when you're at your best. The best time to worship God is when he is at his best. And God is always at his best. And what happens is when we worship him, even though we're not at our best, he brings us to his very best in us. That's what worship does. Why? Because we're created to worship. And that's what Mary was doing. She was worshiping God with her soul and with her spirit. Here's the second thing we learn. We learn about God's favor. It was the angel who said to, to Mary, you are highly favored. You're favored. Did you know that God thinks of you? Like he, he actually thinks of you. He, he collects thoughts about you and I. He ponders about us. The Bible even says in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you. We know it as I know the plans that I have for you. But God thinks about us, that we're, we're always on his mind. And we might be thinking, yeah, but you have like 7 billion people on this earth. How can God think about every single person? God's brain is a little bigger than ours. Yeah. That's why he's God. He can, he can love every single person. And he thinks about us all the time. You know, in the condition that Mary was in, God thought about her. And she was a teenager. Now, every single one of us have either gone through our teenage years 
are in our teenage years or will go through our teenage years. And everyone that goes through teenage years all deal with the same type of things. But the main thing we deal with as teenagers is this one word, emotions. Oh, we're going to deal with not having things. Uh, uh, Our friends are going to have better things. We're going to compare ourselves, but we deal with emotions. And our emotions go up and they go down. They go side, they go right, they go front, they go back. They disappear, they reappear. That's how our emotions are in our teenage years. It's a part of going through that season. So Mary, in her teenage years, receiving this from God, it wasn't like the, the easiest news for her. It was difficult news to hear. But she took it, she received, because she understood when the angel said, God has his, you have God's favor on your life. She was able to do something from that point on because she understood that God gave her favor. It wasn't because of her well-behaved life. Yes, she was a humble woman, but God had favor and gave her favor. So just think about your life and my life. The very fact that God gave us his one and only son already proves that God gives us his favor. He gives us an opportunity. In verse 48, Mary sings, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. See, God is mindful of what we go through. He's mindful and allows us to press into who he is, to draw close to him, because every single day he gives us opportunities to press into him as our lives go by minute by minute. Every single day he gives us that opportunity that now we can surrender daily to him because we have God's favor. Here's here's the third thing that we can learn, that God honors the humble. And the Bible tells us that, that God God will honor those who humble themselves before him. I heard it said like this, God will either humble us in public or we can humble ourselves in private. Either way, it's our choice. We can humble ourselves in private or God can do it in public. It's, it's really our choice. Mary sang, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. You know, every now and then I call my mom. She lives on Oahu. She lives in Waimanalo. And every now and then we'll talk about, you know, the old days and growing up and things like that. And, and, my, and my, I, I gave my mom, like, headache after headache after headache. I always remember her saying, you see all these pills I'm taking? It's because of you. You give me stress. So I didn't know what the pills were for. It was high blood pressure. So she would always say that and, you know, just going through the teenage years and whatever else. But now when I talk to her on the phone and we talk about the, you know, growing up, she, 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 she says this. She goes, you know, Sheldon, out of all of you, there's four of us. I have two brothers, one sister. She goes, you were the easiest. You were the easiest. And I'm saying this on live stream right now. So if you're watching family, that's what my mom said. I was the easiest and I was the, the well-behaved one. I know you're shaking your head, but that's what she said. And my thought was, mom, don't you remember You don't remember licking me with a spatula or flying whatever you could at me that the belt didn't work so you had to use the buckle side. You you don't remember that? You don't remember using two hangers? You don't don't remember that? You don't remember the the wooden slippers that you'd keep close by you just in case you didn't have anything else? You don't remember those times? You don't remember the time when the police brought me home and you were freaking out? You don't remember those times? Like, I don't don't say this to her. I'm just thinking this because I don't want to bring up the past. Who does? So I'm thinking of these things. But, but, but what I realize is what my mom is thinking of is today. <laughs> She's thinking of who I am today. Because she always says, I can't believe you're a pastor. I can't. I can't. <laughs> so, which is great. I'm, I'm glad my mom looks at today and the future versus, you know, the past. And I thought, that's, that's kind of like what God does with us. That's why Mary could say, I, I, I'm going to be blessed throughout all generations. Because from this day forward, God, this is what you're looking at in my life. It's not where I've been, it's where I'm heading. And that's what God looks at with us. That's one of the lessons we can learn from Mary. Instead of us looking at our past, let's look at what God is doing in our lives today and what he's going to do in the future. That's what God is looking at. He's a God of the future. 
We're, we're all going to head, we're all heading towards eternity, perfection. We're not going to be perfect here, but we will be there. But until then, let the perfect God work in and through us and let him love you. And then walk with him because he's going to honor that and he honors the humble. Here's the fourth thing that we can learn. God's goodness. I am so thankful for God's goodness. I'm glad we serve a good God. He's a good God. He's a good father. And God still does great things. We can look at the things that happen around us in the world, even in our own personal lives, our families, the workplace, or not having work or not having a job or finances are tight. Whatever it would be, God is still good. He's still good in the midst of everything that we go through because his goodness is not based upon what happens around us or in us or through us. God's goodness is based upon his character that never changes. So no matter what God does, he is always good. That's why she could sing in verse 49, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. She could declare that because of who he was and who he is. It's because of his goodness. The fifth thing we can learn is that God is merciful. So thankful for his mercy. I'm so thankful that God doesn't give me what I deserve. He's merciful towards us. But here's the, this is almost like the premise before the promise it, it, it would be great if God was merciful to every single person. And, and, and in theory, he is. But when Mary sings this, she sings in verse 50, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. His mercy extends to those who fear him. Like those who mock God his mercy is available, but they're not under his mercy. For those who, you know, when the, when the Bible says in Romans 8, 31, that God causes all things to work together, or 32, 828, 828, that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. We may read it as, you know, all things work together for good. But it's not for everyone. It's to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And so it is with his mercy. He extends his mercy to those who fear him. That's a, that's a great benefit to have when we fear God. And it's not the afraid of I'm scared of you. It's the fear of your power, your majesty, your, your splendor, the, the, your, your goodness. You're, you're so overwhelming. I cannot contain it. But because of that, you extend your mercy. Therefore, when we learn that, we know that everything that God gives to us, everything that he does for us is out of his mercy because God is merciful. The sixth lesson that we learn is that God, uh, you can write in God's sovereignty. We learn about God's sovereignty as Mary sings this. She says, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. In other words, God can do whatever he wants to do so long as it's within his nature. Like some people can say, God must be able to do anything. No, he's not able to do anything. God can't sin. God can't lie. God can't change. That's how powerful he is. He's so powerful, he can't change because he doesn't need to. He's maximum. He's at the highest level. He is exalted, the highest point. So there's nothing more for God to, to become. He is who he is. So when Mary sings this, she's just saying, God, you're sovereign. Why? Because you can be. It's in who you are. It's, it's your whole being. You are God, therefore everything else will never be. And we are okay with that. God's sovereignty is authored always with a good heart because his heart is always good. And God's heart is always towards what's best for us. He's always looking out for our very best. Did you know that every choice that God makes is always motivated out of love? Every choice he makes. Even when you read throughout the Bible that you read something, you say, why would God do that? It's motivated out of love. It doesn't look like it's motivated out of love. Yeah, it's because we don't love like how God loves. We love by seeing what's happening right now and what took place. God loves eternally. 
from beginning to end, all the way through. So when a decision is made for us, when we make a decision, we're making a decision because of what's happening right now or what just took place. When God makes a decision, he makes a decision based out of eternity. So it's no longer just out of what's happening at that time being. So when Mary sings this song, she's saying, God, you can, you can do whatever you want. We trust in your sovereignty. I was reading this uh, or watching this commercial, and I just caught the very end. And you know how they show like a car commercial? Like the car is so clean. Even the road is clean. The air is clean. Even the traffic is clean. They're just driving on this nice road, and then the driver is in the car. There's no sound. It's just like, mm. so it's like, oh, it's a, the quiet-sounding car. And then it says this at the end. When you give your best, you deserve the best. And there's this word that came on. And I was like, well, so you're saying that you deserve this car because you give. So it made you feel good. And then I thought, wait a minute. That is actually true. In the context of when you, God, give your best, you deserve the best. God, what best did you give us? The best thing that God gave to us was himself. That's what Heidi says during Christmas. She goes, you know the best gift you get during Christmas is me. I was like, amen. I believe that. But where's my gift? Where's my, where's my friend? <laughs> God gave us his very best. Therefore, does he not deserve the very best? God could have given us anything, but he wanted to give us his very best. That's why when we read God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, it was his most prized. It's what God loved the most. I don't know about you, but I would have a very difficult time. I have a difficult time giving away like cereal, much less giving away something that I love the most. I have a hard time giving away this just food. Like I have, I, I'm confessing in front of my brothers and sisters, I have a hard time sharing food. I can share food if I have extra. But if I don't have extra, I have a very hard time. I will share, but my heart is not in it. I will share because God said so. So it's out of obedience, not because, oh, I'm such a loving person. I, I, I want to please God. And on the inside, I'm struggling. But on the outside, well, he's so good, this pastor. No, on the inside, I'm dying. It's like, man... Especially if I say, hey, you want, you want some popcorn? No, 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 I don't, I don't want popcorn. And then I buy my popcorn, and you say, can I have some? I'm like, you should, you should buy it. I was going to buy you one. Because you're, you, you want to eat paratial, right? You're, you're going to, you know what I'm talking about. You don't. So, so I, I, I do, I struggle with that. But God gave his best. He, he shows us how much he loves us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God did everything to his very, very best. Every single thing that he did was to his very best. Everything. Even when he creates our home in heaven. It's going to be to the very best. You know why there's no permits in heaven? Because everything is already perfect. It's not a joke. I'm just saying. Everything is just perfectly made by God. And he deserves the very best. That's his sovereignty. The seventh thing we learn is God's authority. Did you know that God can tear down and God can build up? He has the authority to do so. And it almost seems mean again that certain things happen and, 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 and when God tears down or builds up or whatever it looks like. Now God will allow some things to happen. And he'll use certain things for his good or for good to come out of it. But God doesn't cause evil. God doesn't make evil happen. Evil happens as a result of the, desi the desires that are in us that come out. So when God does something that we may not understand that looks bad, we've got to trust in his authority. That God is in authority. He's doing something. Psalm chapter 75, verse 6 and 7 says that promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west, nor from the south, 
But God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. Only God can do that. He has the authority to do so. So if you're, if you're looking for a promotion, if you're looking to, 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 to get better at life or to improve in a certain area of life, if you're, if you're trying to work on being a better father, a better mother, a husband or wife, and you're, you're trying to do better, turn to the Lord. Turn to Him. Why? Because He's the one that's going to build you up as a husband, a wife, or a father or a mother. He's the one that's going to do that. You want to do well in school? Trust God's authority in you. And in doing that, Yes, you're going to focus on what you can do. You're going to read. You're going to do your, your homework and, and schoolwork and, and grades and all of that. But when your focus is on God, he's the one that promotes. He's the one that's able to lift you up. And he's going to encourage you along the way. In Luke chapter 152, as, as Mary sings, she says, He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. It's so reassuring when the Bible says he lifts up the humble. That when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you in due time. I know for some of us, we've been praying, we've been asking, and we're saying, when, God, when? You're not answering my prayer. And God is saying, it's coming. You just got to trust in my timing. I will exalt you, but it will come in due time. Here's the eighth thing that we can learn. God's providence. God's providence, that he cares for us. He takes good care of us. See, if you, if, you, if you think you have it all and you don't need God, because I hear people saying this, they say, I don't, I don't need to go to church. I don't need God because I have everything I need. I have money, I have my family, I have my children. Why do I need God? With a, an attitude like that, if we're saying, why would I need God? Did you know that God will respect your rejection of him? God will respect that. And, and he'll, he'll, be, he'll, he'll just let you go. But it doesn't mean he cannot still take care of you. Because when we turn to him and we begin to understand that it's more about who he is rather than who we are and what we're going through, God takes very good care of us. And he will do that. That's his promise to us. And all, all that God is, is preparing for us and everything that he wants to, to do for us, he, he's going to do in the way that he does not in the way that we want and sometimes that, that can almost seem discouraging but it's really not because God knows what's best for us and if we think we have it all then why would God need to take care of us but if we're hungry if we're hungry for the things of God then he fills us I remember I gave my son Jay he's, he's 30 now but at this time I think he was 10 years old and we we're in our car and so Jay my oldest was 10 years old my uh, younger son Jordan was 4 and we we're in the car and I had some candy with me. And so they, they were sitting in the back, and my children said, oh, Dad, can I have some? And I, I said, sure. And I turned around. I gave my oldest more because he's 10, and then I gave the youngest a little bit less because he's only four. Jay, being 10 years old, looks at his, looks at his brothers and goes, eh, I got more than you. So what do I do as a loving parent? I turn around, take all his candy, give it to his younger brother. Leave him with two. And he's like, what? What? And Jordan is like, all right. And he just, he doesn't say anything. He doesn't look at him and say, ah, I got more. He just kept eating. And now that's not the best parenting skills. I understand that. But basically what happened was if you don't need all of that and you're like bragging to that guy, I don't have to give you all of that. I can take out. Why? Because it, it all came from me. But what you should have done is say, wow, thank you. Thank you. And not compare yourself to someone else. Just be thankful. Because you will always find someone who will always have less than you. And you will always find someone who will always have more than you. Lest we look at and compare and say, eh. And God says, oh, okay. Let me take this. And you know what? This is what Mary sang. Mary sang this in verse 53. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. Like Mary understood that when God does something out of his providence, it is always for our good. It's never to compare or, 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 or because we deserve something. It's because of God's providence. The ninth thing we learn is God's promises. Even to this day, God has kept 
his promises. He has never, ever gone back on his word. He's not able to do that because he's God. God cannot lie. And because God is who he is, when he makes a promise, and you can find them in the Bible, over 3,000. In fact, I heard there are 6,000 promises in the Bible. Sometimes even more. In other words, it's endless when it comes to the promises of God. That when God makes a promise, he has to keep it. Because he, he speaks it. Because he spoke it, it is true and it never changes. I, I, I think we've, broke, we've broken promises. I broke many promises growing up. I remember being in a club with my, my, my cousins and my friends and we were 10 years old and we'd always get together and we'd be, yeah, we blood brothers and we would, we would cut our hand and then we would like share blood <laughs> when you're we growing up. I don't know, weird. Yeah, yeah, don't do that. And please, kids, if you're watching, please don't do that because that's not good. But while we were growing up, we did that. And we're like, yeah, we're going to be blood brothers and we're going to be there for life. Oh yeah, for, we're going to be there for each other, back each other up. If somebody take you out, we're going to be there for you. You get mobbed. We jump in you know we're saying all these things and then we graduate we don't even know where each other are we, we don't know what's happening in each other's lives I can't remember majority of the, the friends that I grew up with I know some of them still today but we break promises growing up we break promises even in our adult life we break promises we have good intentions but we have to move beyond that we break promises because we're not God we can't keep up with the promises that we make lest we base our life on performance only rather than being who we are in God and being a child of the King. If we're making promises to people and we're making promises, that's the first thing we need to adjust. And what Mary was saying in verse 54 and 55 that he has helped his servant Israel remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever just as he promised our ancestors you know what mary is saying mary is saying i'm not the one that made these promises god you are the one that made these promises in other words let's keep the promises to god let's let him make the promises let's keep let's keep utilizing his word rather than our character and instead of me saying heidi it's the last time i'm going to do that i promise instead of saying that Get together and say, Heidi, you know what? Let's trust in the promises of God. Let's trust that he's going to do something great in our marriage. Let's trust in his promises because I, I, I ain't got none. What you mean? You're not going to promise to me. I'm, I will let you down. But God will never let us down. Let's stay close to him. Because the closer we get to him, guess what's going to happen to us? See, every relationship that you and I will ever come across the success or failure of it will be dependent not on our relationships. It's all going to be dependent on our relationship with God. Every relationship comes out of our relationship with God. So if you're saying during this Christmas season, oh man, I, you know, I, 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 hope, I hope that this family member or so-and-so, my husband, my wife, or so-and-so will come to church or come to know Christ, trust in the Lord, not in the person. Because people will tell you, oh, yeah, I see you on Sunday. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to come. Oh, thank you. Trust in the promises of God, not in our own selves. Mary sang this song and reminded us of the promises of God. Because number 10, God is always, always, all about relationships. He's always about relationships. Now, have, you ever, have you ever stayed at a relative's house or some friend's house? Or someone that you just needed like a week just to, just to kind of get by. But you ended up staying for three months. Or maybe someone asked to sleep over just one night. Just one night. I just need one night. You know, I, I got to move places. I'm, I'm looking for my home. And, you know, that, you know, my paycheck is coming in. So then I'm going to pay rent. I got to put down payment. Whatever the reasons are. And just one night. And then three months later. Three months later, it's like what started off as like, oh, this is the best thing. They cook, they clean, they do all these things. And then, you know, a week goes by, it's like, oh, he kind of left his dishes in the sink. Ah, that's minor. Three months later, it's like, wow, this guy taking over my house. <laughs> it's like, well, you paint the room already. What's going on? <laughs> but Mary, you know what Mary did? Mary stayed with Elizabeth for three months. But do you know what Mary did after that? It says, Mary stayed with Elizabeth 
for three months, for about three months, and then returned home. You know what we can learn from Mary? <laughs> no, not go home. It's <laughs> if you're learning that, it's like, oh man, this is uncomfortable. The guy next to me, I stay at his house, and I don't know. He like kicked me out, but I don't like get out. Like, it's free rent, free rent. You know, it's it's what what Mary knew is that that she had a life with God. Mary knew that she had a life with God. Mary knew Elizabeth had a life with God. That God had plans for her with Elizabeth, and God had plans for Mary. And Mary stayed close to the Lord in her home. And she was able to go to her home. Or maybe it is. Maybe God is saying, hey, I have a home for you. I have a home for you. Maybe you're looking for a home. Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe your home is not in order right now. Turn to God. Trust in Him. God can turn any house into a home. Just invite Him in. And when you're able to do that, able to like, apply these lessons, it'll come back to this relationship with God. Let's take these 10 lessons as we go into this season of Christmas and let's be that song to God, as it were. You may not be the best singer in the world. God is not concerned about that. His main concern is our relationship with Him and it starts with our worship to Him. Amen. And close your Bibles, your notes, and put that away. I want to close with this. There was a, a Christmas. I can't remember how old I was. I think maybe around eight, eight years old. And I remember I was still little because uh, I, I didn't even, I know, I know I didn't enter my teenage years. But my mom gave me one gift for Christmas because, we, you know, we were on welfare. We, we didn't have much. So when Christmas time came, uh, if we got a gift, that was great. And so my mom wrapped up our gifts, and we're all opening up our gifts. And I remember opening up this gift, and my mom is sitting there watching me, and she's so excited. And so I, you know, tearing the gift. I want to peek. I'm shaking it. I'm like, what is this? And he's smelling it. And so I open it up, and I was so happy. I didn't even know what it was. I was just happy. I was like, Wow! I was like, wow. So I opened the cap and I smelled it. It smelled really good. And I was like, mom, what is this? She goes, it's deodorant. <laughs> like, and I was like, wow, you bought me deodorant? I didn't, I had no clue what deodorant was. <laughs> so I'm thinking, wow, this is so nice of my mom to get me deodorant. And I'm smelling it. I was like, wow, this is, it smells so good. She goes, no, 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 you don't, you don't put it on like that. And she showed me how to put it on. I'm thinking, that's odd. Like, why would, why would I need to put things there? Now, I don't know what my mom was trying to say at that age, but all I remember was thinking. <laughs> I didn't say stinking. I said what I was thinking. I was thinking, she got us all different gifts. And, and we all, now, now I think about it back you know, now that I'm, now that I know what these gifts are, it's kind of weird gifts. You know, I had deodorant. My sister had this other thing. My brother had this. And, but what I realized is that my mom did this out of all of her heart. And what I realized is that's all she could afford. That's, that's pretty much what she could afford. Like she gave all she had. And all that she gave us was like those, you know, the, like the, I, I believe in those days, it was probably like 50 cents bins. You know, you have those bins with the cheap things. Don't, don't say that because the kids might be listening and they might open a gift and go, Mom, you got me deodorant and Pastor Sheldon said it's cheap. But what I realized was that's what my mom did. Like she couldn't afford getting us a lot of gifts or expensive gifts. And we didn't get the things that other people got. You know, they got the, the, the good toys and the bikes and all of that. But that's not what my mom was trying to do. My, my mom and many of our parents, and you do the same thing. You give everything you can out of your heart and whatever you can because you want to give them your very best.
And God does the very same thing. God gave us his very best out of his heart in his son, Jesus Christ. We didn't even know what this gift does. And we we're like, oh, wow, it's the son of God. Oh, it's, it is more than just the son of God. Jesus Christ is our best friend, our savior, and the one who loves us when everyone else will turn their backs. That's who the savior is. When Mary is singing this song, Jesus heard it. Jesus was yet to be born. And by the time Jesus comes into the world, grows up, dies on the cross, and we're born some 2,000 years later, this song that Mary has, that she sang to the Lord, it, it came true every single word we're blessed because of this song that mary sang i pray that during this season that you and i will be this song for god that in everything that we do wherever we may be with whatever family members we're going to be around that we would be a song to god so that as god listens to our life it brings him the best and greatest gift that he could ever have this season. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Lord, this life that you have given to us is such a gift. And not only the life that you have given to us, but you have given us your one and only son. And in this season, we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And, and we understand what he did for us. Mary didn't understand fully what was taking place and what was going to happen, but but we can. We, we can see what took place and, and we're so grateful. So can you recalibrate our hearts, Lord, and help us to apply these 10 lessons that we've learned. Maybe we can just take one of them, Lord, whatever it would be. Maybe it's the, 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 our worship to you or, or understanding your sovereignty or, or maybe it's as, as simple as the relationships that are around us. But can we take one of these lessons, Lord, tonight and, and just solidify it in our hearts? We trust in you. We hold on to your promises and we thank you for giving us these life lessons through the person of Mary. And I pray for all of us in this season that we will enjoy every single moment, not getting distracted by all of the busyness of it, but that we would take time to breathe and slow down enough to appreciate and love the people that are around us, our family members, our loved ones, our friends. You, get, you gave us this season to remember your goodness. So may we never forget about that. We thank you for teaching us some of life's greatest lessons tonight. In your precious name we pray. And we all said together, amen. Oh, God is so good. He is so good to us.